What's going on guys? Welcome to Talking With A Fat Dad. Sorry it's been a while, been a bit busy my end. Um, just work and life and getting the kids going back to school and everything else that's been going on. So I thought I'd check in and apologise for the lack of content for the last week or so. And what a, uh, I suppose what a fortnight it's been, really. Um, there's so much to talk about. Um, I don't even know where to start, so I suppose a little outlay of subjects is, there's all the shenanigans going on with the royal family, Meghan and Harry and Oprah and <clears throat> whatever else. There's especially more over the pond in the US. There's all sorts of stuff happened which just just make you wanna or make not make you wanna, make me wanna run and smack my head off of the nearest brick wall that I can find. There's the kids returning to school here in the UK at least after obviously a big layoff in lockdown and homeschooling and stuff so i guess if we st i'll start off with that i think um for for a long while i was really divided as a parent thinking <sighs> obviously i only want them to go back when it's safe goes without saying but at the same time the longer it goes on, I'm getting more and more concerned that although they're doing online lessons, you know, the downside to that is it's not the same as being in school. So I was concerned, obviously, going forward about their futures. And I think the thing that bothers me almost equally as much is that it's safe to say, with especially with teenagers and sort of older children, these days, whether I'm just a moaning old git or what, they don't seem to have many social skills as a whole in the first place. So by penning them in, the social skills they have got are just diminishing. Now, I think it's really important, and again, I don't want to be someone who's trying to give necessarily parental advice, but I suppose it is in a way. I think it's important to keep your eye on them. Um, our eldest two went back today. Um, the youngest one went back last week. But I think it's important to keep an eye on them because I think, especially as teenagers, throughout the lockdown, if we let them get away with it, they'd wake up, not even come downstairs if it was left to them. Then they'd arrive down, eat something and go back upstairs. One of ours is glued to an Xbox screen, one's glued to books. Which is a thing all of its own, because you can't, how can you, how can you tell a child off for reading too much? That's quite counterproductive. It's like saying, don't stop eating all this fruit. You know, it's, it's one of them. It's a bit of a difficult one. They would then, I suppose, if again, if we just left them to it, come down when someone shouted lunch is ready, eat it and go back upstairs. 
then they'd repeat that process at sort of tea time. We tried to force them out into doing stuff. But I think with the first lockdown, it was a lot easier to do it because the weather was nicer here in the UK anyway. Um, whereas this time, because it's sort of been the winter months and dark nights, it's, it's not as easy to, to pry them out. But I think it's important that, from my point of view, when it's going to be different all over the world, but the UK, this lockdown easing, I can't remember what they've called it, the, the roadway or whatever they've called it, these dates that they've given us where things are going to open back up. I will be, or I, we, will be making sure that as soon as they're allowed to do different things, as things open back up, they're made to go and actually do them. Because I think if you don't keep an eye on th their behaviours, I think they've got very comfortable living in a world where they're quite secluded and they're on their own. So I think as soon as they're able to go and meet more friends and see see family members or you're able to go for meals, I think it's really, really important to do it because I think if you don't enforce that straight away, you're going to really run the risk of them being stuck in that rut and not, getting back to you know <clears throat> normality i think that's something that really needs to be looked at i mean they weren't particularly trusting our lad was all right about going back our eldest just she said i'd, I'd be quite happy to do this home learning thing until i leave like <clears throat> and i think it's a slippery slope that's obviously the situation's forced our hand, but the fact that they're happy in being on their own, I've said before, I think the more things get eased and we get back into normality, and people, especially when they're more able to visit a GP or go and actually talk to people face to face, <clears throat> I think the wave of mental health issues that's going to follow this is going to be unbelievable. And I, you know, I don't want to push that as something where a scare tactic almost. I think it's inevitable. I think there's so many people <clears throat> that are going to really struggle with this coming out of it and getting back, especially even if you're, somebody who was working and was furloughed or you've been made redundant or you haven't been as an adult in your regular routine of being at work because money's been sort of transferred across or you know through different means and things that the government have done i think even adults are going to struggle getting back into you know, a regular way of life. Because it's not like this has been a couple of weeks, you know, it's it's been a year. And you can think like dietitians and people like that say that you can change your habits in a reasonably short amount of time if you want to make a change. 
And I think because the change has been forced on everybody, that people are going to get stuck. And I think that's a big, big concern um, going forward. And I just worry about the younger generation. I just think... I've been the first to critique. I mean, I'm saying you've got to get your kids back out and see your friends and stuff. And I was the first to slam people when, you you know, you're meant to be in a lockdown and there's groups of eight or nine teenagers walking around, no mask, laughing and joking. I think you absolute morons. Not even so much the kids. The parents for even allowing it when you're not supposed to be doing it. I mean, you, know, you can teach a dog to sit and stay and you... You, you you can't seem to be able to do that with some people, but you know, hopefully we're getting to where we need to be. Um, I was quite lucky. Well, <laughs> it, sorry, in my head that seems quite funny. I I I'm obviously in my early thirties, but I've had my first jab because of the heart condition that I had that was operated on. Um. I've got a, I've actually got the follow up to my operation this week to see whether everything's worked. So that'll be an, I'm going to try and say the right words now, an ECG, that's easy. And I think, sorry if you're medically trained and I butcher this, I think it's an echocardiogram, which is kind of like an ultrasound type thing, to know whether the surgery has been fully successful. I feel good, so. Like James Brown I am now. Wow, I feel good. Um, no, should be pretty good, but not to go off on too much of a tangent. The other issue I've got <clears throat> at the moment is sometimes you can say, you know, you can talk about a subject and say, well, what do they want and what do they think we should do? And they is... Yeah, it's they, it could be anyone, but I'm looking at trying to get kids out into doing things in the world and getting back to things that they should be doing and socialising and making sure they're all right. <clears throat> and I think to teach older children to talk about how they feel and stuff, I'm 100% behind I'm a big advocate for mental health with things that's happened both to myself, people I know, people in my family. Um, I can't shout about that subject loud enough. Where I do draw the line, and I think I've talked about this before on here, is teaching that to children who are quite young. And we had an email from my youngest school, now she's seven, asking us to ask them about their anxiety and how they feel and stuff like that. I'm sorry, but at age seven, you should not be, you shouldn't know what that word even is. I've got a seven-year-old daughter, you know. The only thing I want her to go to bed pondering at night isn't her social status or how her anxiety levels are or... <clears throat> I don't want to be thinking about that. I wanted to go to bed at night thinking, you know, 
I wonder how fast Rainbow Dash can actually fly. Yeah, I wanted to ponder the really important stuff at that age. And it's it's a fine line, but I don't agree with young kids being taught things. I think there's a seems to be a rush to making children grow up these days. They've got to be taught, you know, all this the mental health side of it and it, to me it's pushing them into being an adult which you know you should be able to just sit and of a night read them a book they smile at you makes you feel warm makes you feel nice say good night give me a kiss they go to bed you just think have some nice dreams you know <clears throat> well judging by other events that have happened recently you won't be able to do that soon because there'd be no books left to be able to read them they'll be banned I just, <laughs> some of the stuff that's come out, and I don't know whether it's because I've axed um, Facebook largely, I don't know whether to fill my time, I suppose, more I listen to sort of more podcasts and stuff, and I listen to a lot of stuff that's based in the USA. Shout out to the USA. I love America. And I don't know if... Uh, I don't ever watch the news, even here. So I only get sort of tidbits. So whether I've got the whole thing wrong, you have to um, ex sort of excuse my ignorance of the subject, I suppose. The last time, well, not the last time we went to America, the time before when we took the took the kids, we went to Universal and went around, um, I can't remember what it's called, I call it Dr. Seussland, I don't think that's actually what it is, but it's all cat in the hat and green eggs and ham and all that sort of stuff. Now, I, as a kid, they weren't books that I really read too much, apart from at school. Um, and that's not because I don't like it, that's because as a kid I didn't really read anything. Apart from Krang magazine. But from what I can understand. The books. Have been banned. Because they could cause offence. Now. Here's my views of this. I said I don't know all the details. Now. I'm not exactly sure. What it is that's offensive about them. Because I don't know each individual book. I don't have copies. So I don't know. I don't, I don't know which ones they actually are. If. Should you. I mean. there, it's, Dr. Seuss has to be a pretty big deal. To have an area. Of a massive theme park in Florida. Dedicated to it. And you know. There's films that are based off it. You know. You've got the Cat in the Hat. The Grinch. That sort of stuff. You know. So, do they need to be wiped? Is it the uh, the actual literature itself that's caused offence? I don't know whether it's that or whether it's illustrations within the books. So, if they're going to be sort of banned or stop being sold or distributed, if it's due to... To me, if it's due to the imaging, the illustrations within the books, could you not just 
sort of have them republished and you get that with music and stuff where they say oh this has been remastered and this has been could you not just sort of have them re-illustrated for whatever it is that's offensive i mean i can't imagine it must be images within the books i would imagine because you you, you can't to me you couldn't ban books really that are based on fiction I, I, I feel a bit lost I don't really know what to say about it because if you've got books that are based on somebody eating green eggs and ham for instance if you link that to real life and somebody ate green eggs and ham wherever they bought that whatever the restaurant is should be investigated obviously because that's not the colour eggs and ham should be However, I it, it's so difficult to know what to say because if, if they've been banned because you have to get in touch and let me know, fill me in. Like I said, I, I just don't really do news. <laughs> Life, I think everybody could vouch for this. Life can be difficult enough without flicking on the news and going through all the other bad stuff that's going on. If it's the illustrations, my argument would be, or well, can they not just be sort of reproduced and whatever it is that's deemed offensive, tweaked slightly? I mean, I know we live in a world where it's really fashionable to be offended by everything. Um, and I, I would imagine, well, I'd, I'd probably admit that I, I feel bewildered by that because I'm not offended by anything. Nothing personally offends me, so I, I struggle, I think, to see the other perspective, to to be see the world through the eyes of somebody who's just offended by everything. I don't I don't know if every if, if these people are actually offended by everything or they just chirp up because it's sort of trendy, so they look for things to be offended by. I, I, I don't know. Uh, you could look at, you know, a few years back, you had Charlie Hebdo. And people died for cartoons. But from what I understand of that, again, I'm not a news guy. They drew a religious figure that's not ever supposed to be depicted in pictorial form. So to me, personally, if somebody's got a religion, look at a proper religion... Not not like Scientology or something like that, like an actual religion, not a cult, <clears throat> that states this in our mantra or in our belief or whatever it is, you're not supposed to do this. Then someone goes and does it. You, you are asking for trouble. You're certainly not asking for someone to be killed, but you're asking for, for trouble. I don't know how long ago the, the Dr. Seuss stuff was written, but it's it's not sort of recent is it so i don't know i'm sort of waffling around it but i i don't i don't see i, I do i do kind of see it because i think because our teenagers are very you can't say this you can't say that you can't do this and it's just drummed into them 
some of the things they come out with, I just think, oh my God, put a sock in it, will you? Sometimes you can, you don't need to say things that are particularly offensive with, you know, with venom behind them. But sometimes people just say things in the confine of their own house, which are a little bit of fun, you know. I'm a tradesman, I work in a trade. It's that sort of work environment where you have a bit of a laugh and a joke and, oh, you know, I just think you're going to come to a point where you're going to go into a bar once they're open, have a game of darts or whatever you're doing, and you're going to go, oh, listen to this, boys. Englishman, Irishman, and Scotsman. They go, whoop, no, no. You're not allowed to tell those jokes anymore. What? Well, I think you're going to stereotype against people from, you know. <laughs> hope you hope this hope this joke doesn't depict a Scotsman wearing a kilt with ginger hair, an Englishman with round glasses, a small moustache, drinking tea with his little finger sticking out. What? I hope this joke doesn't involve the Irishman wearing a white vest and collect, collecting scrap metal with a, uni, uh, a unicorn, a, a leprechaun stuck on the front of his trailer whilst he's driving along drinking a pint of Guinness no I was just going to tell a small joke for you know people to have a bit of a giggle at that sounds extreme but that's the way things are going and I think again the younger generation are listening to this and they're being forced into they're not being allowed to be kids like you're supposed to laugh at stupid stuff you're supposed to laugh at stuff that's dumb or just funny. You don't have to contemplate all the time whether, ooh, don't know about this. Because, I mean, obviously, if there's a joke that's got a race-based theme or punchline, that's pretty obvious. That, that you know, That's obvious that someone could be offended by that, okay? Take that completely. But you're getting to a point now where every time you have a conversation with somebody, you almost have to really think about what you're going to say because you could say something, go on your way, think nothing of it. And then <laughs> some people, like you can, people lose their jobs. I heard a story of a guy in America was trying to explain oh, I get this right now it's a while ago I heard this he was trying to someone asked him about something that was where somebody said the n-word that's not a word I'm going to say mm-hmm. not my thing at all so in response somebody had asked him about this where the word was said so he said well when so-and-so said so-and-so word. I think this, that, and the other. And because he'd said it in response to being asked about it, he lost his job. And to me, I think that's almost like someone set him up. Because it's not the kind of... I don't know whether the man was Asian, black, white... Know, or or a grey from Zeta Reticula, I, I don't know. But I think, to me, 
to live in a free society or a free speech. Free speech is kind of you either have it or you don't. I don't think there's really a a middle ground. I've talked before about trying to strive for perfection and sometimes you can get to perfection and everyone toes the line correctly and you actually find that it's not a place where you actually want to be. I mean, I was watching... Um, Last night I was watching Jimmy Carr, very funny comedian, or I think he is. Someone's probably offended by that, so I'll probably get a letter. If you get, if, I'll tell you what, if you want to send me um a letter, because you're offended that I listen to Jimmy Carr, um, I've actually set up, because of the correspondence I get for the podcast, I've actually set up um a separate little post box outside the house. Um if you're offended by me watching Jimmy Carr and thinking he's funny, um, you can send it quite quickly. You just write it in a letter, um, first or second class stamp, and drop it straight in your bin. It'll find me, don't worry. <clears throat> oh, dear. I'm trying not to get ranty with it, but... <sighs> I just think it's... It, the world. The world is... Uh, I mean... Oh, that was... <laughs> Mr. Potato Head's been banned now. Oh, my God. Mr. Potato Head. <sighs> Poor Mr. Potato Head. Really, I, I really enjoyed his work in Toy Story and subsequent other films. I think he's a really good actor. Um, I think he played the part really well. Um, I enjoyed the supportive role of Mrs. Potato Head. I think was in Toy Story 2. She was introduced as a character. I, I think she did really well. Um, I think they were really good actors. Um, because of the way w the world is. And I suppose it's called cancel culture. You know, he's now an out of work actor. You know, he's, he's created by Mattel or whatever. Just a lump of plastic with a dream. He went out into the world, he found Hollywood, and now he's been cancelled. I, I just feel so bad for him. He's not even allowed to show up anymore. But hey, we'll leave that there, because I think that's something that's just going to keep spiralling. I think there's going to be... I mean, I can look back to cartoons I watched when I was sort of younger. And you think... I never thought, oh, that's offensive. Oh, that's close to the mark. Not unless you're watching. <laughs> There's obvious exceptions, like you know, South Park, Rick and Morty, uh, things like that. I mean, even Family Guy, I suppose. I just think, if, if you, say, for instance, you've... You've watched a clip of Family Guy. You've never watched it. You watch a clip of Family Guy on YouTube or something. Think, oh, I didn't like that. That's fine. There's a lot of people like Family Guy. There's probably people that don't. If you watch a clip and it's not for you, then just don't watch it. But don't insist that it has to be ripped down off every single platform possible because you've taken exception to something that was portrayed in it. It's a, it's a cartoon. How far, how far can you go with it oh I don't know so on to the royals now I'm an Englishman I'm British the royal family a lot of people are very proud of them they look up to them and 
you know, over mm-hmm. here. It, it's a big spectacle, you know. People come to see Bookhouse, like Buckingham Palace and whatever. Me, personally, mm-hmm. I couldn't give a toss about the Royals. It's not something I'm interested in. My wife is. My wife really likes them. Um, there was an interview that aired yesterday with Prince Harry... Um, Megan, his wife, and Oprah, mm-hmm. and it's a big talking point at the moment because everybody is on about it. Um, and it's, I don't think I could care less about it to be honest because I just the royals don't really mean anything to me, I'm they don't affect my life in any way if they're having a bad time. They're having a bad time, you know. Everyone, everyone has a bad time. I didn't mean that to sound quite like I think it just came out, but I haven't got into it. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I know Harry's left the royal family, as far as what I can tell. Um, the only time I ever paid attention to royal family is at Christmas, when it's on as the Christmas special. Not the Queen's speech, I mean the proper royal family, you know, Jim and Barbara and... It's an old British comedy. If you're in, over in the US, you might not have seen it, but that's fantastic. But people are really, people are really, really into it. And I think all it is, is it's another thing that's being blown up. Everyone's talking about it. I think Piers Morgan walked off a show arguing about it today. Good morning, Britain. My, uh, I think the reason it's being pushed into the eye of the public more is to cause divide especially over here because they know that there's a lot of people that love the royals and that would defend the royals and would yeah whatever and there's other people who are sort of the other side that aren't fussed maybe like myself and you know it's it's being pushed into the public consciousness to sort of cause a bit more divide so my advice on it is don't fall into the trap if if you're really into the royals and your friends not don't fall out with your friend over it. It's not going to affect your life. <sighs> I just think... I just wonder what his dad would think. Um, Prince Harry's dad. I mean, I don't really know what his dad does now, to be honest. Last time I saw him, he was on Top Gear. And they even... When he was on Top Gear, that was when it was proper Top Gear with May, Hammond and Clarkson. And when he was on there, they all looked quite embarrassed going back a few years because they didn't even know who he was. I mean, he did the fastest lap that, you know, star on a reasonably priced car when they had a new car. And, you know, they didn't even know who he was. They were trying to fish for clues. Hammond was. It was quite funny. And in the end, they put him on the Top Gear board, you know, the celebrity lap board, as the well-spoken man because they didn't even know who he was. Oh... I just don't, I when something like that's in the media so much. My point of view is: Does that directly affect your life? Does worrying about that put food on your table? Does worrying about that pay your bills? The answer to that is no. If you want to, you know, have an opinion on it, you, everyone's entitled to an opinion on everything. It doesn't mean you've got to tell everybody else necessarily what that opinion is. It doesn't mean you've got to argue over that opinion, you know. I just think 
we've, I don't know what's happened with Piers Morgan. He's walked off Good Morning Britain this morning arguing with somebody about it. I, again, I, I don't watch it, so I don't know, but it's just going to get so much more attention to the subject, which is going to get more people to talk about it. The more people talk about a subject, the more they argue about a subject. I think it's just a circle. It's just this political... Well, it's not political, but is it political? The rule's political? I'm not even really sure how much of what, what power the royal family even have. I, know, I did read somewhere that the Queen can seize any land she wants, and I know she owns all the swans. I don't know how much power that really is, but I suppose if you want to... If your passion's always been to own a swan sanctuary, I suppose you can... It's, they're good powers to have. And I mean, would I find it comical if I was the, the head of the monarchy to think, oh, I'm going to post a letter, but I'm not going to pay for a stamp. I'm just going to stick a Polaroid selfie of myself on there because it's the same thing. Would I like my face on money? Oh, no, probably not. Not unless it was chocolate. I'm a face on chocolate coins. It'd give me more excuse to eat them. That'd be good. I'm rambling. Guys, I'm going to leave it there. I am going to be back with you next week. Get in touch on Facebook. There is a Talk With A Fat Dad Facebook page. Uh, under Talking With A Fat Dad Podcast. I'm on Instagram. as Talking With A Fat Dad Podcast. Or Carl Sampson. Twitter. At Carl Sampson. Uh, don't forget to like don't poke me share subscribe do whatever hit me up let's get some content going keep the conversation going um i'll talk to you guys next week goodbye